Sports Central with Adrian Abraham on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3, 12 to 1 with Adrian Abraham. The curtain has come down on transfer deadline day. That's it. No more business to be done. And it's been a crazy transfer window, to say the least. Lionel Messi moved to Paris Saint-Germain. The sensational return of Cristiano Ronaldo to Manchester United. Romelu Lukaku coming back to Chelsea. So many other deals to get through. To break it all down, I've roped in James Walton. He's on the line with us, Sports Business Group leader, Deloitte Southeast Asia. James, uh, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing good. It's another another busy August is over. Yeah, another busy August is over, but probably the craziest transfer window in recent seasons. Let's start with Cristiano Ronaldo, that deal that has happened in just the last week. Crazy, uh, to say the least. But in terms of what he brings to Manchester United and also what do you make of United's business this summer? I mean, for me, Man United are possibly the winners of the of the transfer window, at least in the English Premier League. Um, they've addressed most of the needs that they had. They they set out to to get Jadon Sancho, and and they got him. They got Rafael Varane to strengthen their backline. Um, obviously, Ronaldo is a is a massive coup. They could perhaps have done with shedding a few players. Um, Anthony Martial, Phil Jones, still kind of hanging around there, um, and they didn't perhaps replace uh, Scott McTominay, you know, a, a better holding midfielder than than Nemanja Matic and, and McTominay would have been a good thing. But it's it's definitely, a you know, an A-minus type of grade. Um, and I think of all the teams in that mix at the top of the table, they're the ones that probably did the most to change their potential position. Yeah, it was an incredible window for them. But James, this deal... Cristiano Ronaldo coming back to Manchester United. Nostalgia, or can he actually make a big difference at the club? So, you know, Paul Merson had a, had a great comment yesterday where he said that, you know, if players were the same at 36 years old as, as they were at 25 years old, then Usain Bolt would still be running 100 metres. <laughs> um, and and there's, an, there's an element in that that's true. And Man United fans, on the one hand, they need to temper their, their expectations that this is not the Ronaldo of of the past, but I'm sure they've been watching him in, in Juventus and Madrid and seeing that he is definitely more of a of a poacher now. He'll he'll stay around the box, he'll he's not a winger, he's not gonna take people on too much. But on the other hand, as much as we talk about him being a, a different player and and managing expectations, this is a guy who scored twenty nine goals in thirty three games in Serie A last season. The season before thirty one and thirty three. Last season total 36 goals in all competitions. So, you know, make no mistake, he can still score, he can still do a job, and his fitness levels for his age are far better than most people even in their 20s. So this is not a case of, you know, Gareth Bale, the Spurs around, you know, has he still got it and is the desire there and are you getting back the same player? They're getting a very good player and he will absolutely definitely have an impact. The question really more is what is the impact on the players around him? What does this mean for Rashford? What does this mean for Cavani? Even what does this mean for Bruno Fernandes? There's a lot of fantasy football managers, myself included right now, wondering if uh, Bruno Fernandes is still going to be Bruno Fernandes or whether it will be Pinaldo. Yeah, you do know um, he's going to be uh, on uh, on free kicks, free kicks on set pieces. Penalty, yeah, surely, right. So, so what what happens to Paul Bruno, right? But um, it, honestly, it's it's a fantastic deal, and I think the biggest thing it does after a few years of being a little bit in the wilderness for United compared to some of the some of their rivals, it's a statement. 
And particularly because there was a moment last week where it looked like he was going to Man City and Ronaldo going to Man City would have been the final kind of ignominy that kind of says Man City have, have surpassed you because he would have been joining them because they were more competitive. Um, and and they really had to step in there and stop that happening. And they've done that, and they've announced we're here and we're back. They're good enough to sustain it for a season and win the title. They'll be in the mix. They definitely will. But uh, a, a lot of teams are going to be in that mix. Yeah, just waiting for um, his um, return against Newcastle United, of course, after the international break. Another club that's been busy in this summer transfer window. They've spent over £150 million, but sit at the bottom of the table is Arsenal. James, talk me through Arsenal's transfer business. They, they roped in Ben White for around £50 million. Aaron Ramsdale as a backup keeper, you know, almost £30 million. Martin Odegaard came back after spending time on loan. We make their signings and can they actually save Arsenal? So the question is what we're trying to say. And anybody who's a fan of Ted Lasso will have seen the recent episode where where you know he asked the question about whether or not he should break something. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And then mm-hmm. the question was asked, Well, are you sure it ain't broke? And and the question with Arsenal right now is is what are they? What are they trying to be? Honestly, a lot of these signings have great potential for the future. Odegaard is still young. He didn't set the world alight last season, but he's a good player. He's an Arsenal player. Ben White has real potential, and same with Ramsdale. You know, yes, they overpaid for them, but as you often do for English players, Lukongo has has potential. Uh, Tomiyasu has potential. But the question really is whether Mikel Arteta will still be there in six, nine months' time to, to guide these players um, and whether or not people like Obama Young, Lacazette, Granit Xhaka are capable of stepping up and guiding these youngsters. Because in the last couple of games, it looked like Saka and Smith-Rowe were, were just you know kids out there with a bunch of adults who didn't care playing alongside them and, and they looked a little bit lost and, and, and orphaned there. So I think... A lot of people are saying right now that this is a very bad window for Arsenal, that it's a D or, or, or a C minus, with the logic that they didn't really improve their current team, that perhaps only Ben White is an improvement on their on their current team. But I do think that if they keep this group of players together and they develop them and get the right manager in that can do that, two years from now they may look back at this window as, as money well spent. But for now, honestly, the next three months. Arteta realistically has probably until the end of October, early November to prove he's the right guy. Otherwise, in January, uh, when the window opens up, we may find another manager uh, spending the money. Yeah, sticking with North London, James, as a Tottenham fan yourself, relief, I guess, is the word that you were able to keep hold of Harry Kane after, you know, his attempted move to Manchester City. How significant is it that he's now staying as well as a couple of other additions to the club and a new manager? Yeah, I mean, I I just saw actually a a comment from Fabrizio Romano, the famous transfer Mm. Uh, genius, Guru, yeah. <laughs> and, and and his and his comment was everyone's talking about Paris Saint Germain won the window, but he thinks Tottenham were the were the window winners. Now you know you can take that with a pinch of salt, but his, his logic for that was they've signed some very good young players, um, similar to to Arsenal. In that the question is whether or not those players are, are ready immediately to step in and change the team. You know, people like Golini is effectively a replacement for Loris from from next season. Brian Heal replacing Lamella again it's one for the future but is he ready to step into that team they may have uh, upgraded it right back with Emerson Royale and Serge Aurier leaving leaving the club possibly 
Romero looks like the one that can really do a job right now. Um, I expect him to come in for Sanchez sooner rather than later. But it's it's quite similar to Arsenal in in that it's it's a window for the future, and we don't really know yet how that is going to play out. But definitely, the the coup for them was Kane staying and Son signing a new long term contract. Um, and I think if you had offered this together with clearing a lot of the deadwood uh, that was at the club, you know, the Danny Rose and and Musa Sissoko and Serge Aurier and people like that, I think if you'd offered that at the start of the window, I think most Spurs fans would have taken this. Although they would have still wanted the perennial uh, wish, which is a backup striker for when Harry Kane's ankles fail him around January or February every season. A very happy Tottenham fan. Perfect start to the season as well. Three wins out of three. We're in conversation with James Walton, sports business group leader, Deloitte Southeast Asia. James, just a few more clubs to get through in England. Chelsea, the return of Romelu Lukaku for £97.5 million or thereabouts. And also the loan signing of Saul Negeth. First of all, Lukaku is a much different player now from when he left Chelsea. When Chelsea brought him back, everyone was wondering whether Timo Werner will be sold. But how can he help Chelsea go to the next level? They're only Champions League winners. How can they move ahead? As much as Champions League is the ultimate trophy, at the end of the day, it's still a cup. And, and, and we talk about cup teams and league teams. I think the thing for Chelsea last season, from when Thomas Tuchel joined, they they were the second best team in the league besides Manchester City, and so the goal for them has to be challenging for that for that title. Um, and then, you know, with, with Europe, you know, come what, what happens happens, right? But I think the big thing for Chelsea, they they realistically they had three areas of the team that they would have wanted to strengthen. Um, one was, of course, centre forward. You know, Tim Werner I think scored more goals that were disallowed last season than were allowed. <laughs> um, he's realistically he's a winger um, and should be playing off the wing and 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 yet was playing through the middle. So I think he'll have his day again. I, I I agree that they shouldn't have sold him. You know, give him that opportunity to play off Lukaku. It might change things up. They needed a centre mid to improve upon Kovacevic and possibly Jorginho. Um, although it seems strange to say that about someone that just got named UEFA Player of the Year mm. somehow. <laughs> Um, but, you know, to, to get a bit more competition in there, Kante's not getting any younger. So now they've got Kante, Jorginho, Kovacevic and, and Solniges uh, in there. And then the third thing they really needed is the one thing they didn't get. So similar to Man United, nearly a perfect window. But the thing they really wanted was a centre-back. Uh, because it's funny, you look at their defence, as a unit, they are very solid. They don't concede goals, which is partly because they play three at the back. And then they play two holding mids in front, which is, you know, as solid as you can get. And you don't get through, you know, Kante, Jorginho, and then the three centre-backs, which is usually Rudiger, Christensen, and Thiago, or, or Cesar Espilicueta. Um, they've obviously let Zuma go, but they really wanted Quende from Sevilla. Sevilla refused to do business. They refused to, to negotiate uh, below the release price, and they've ended up without. And so you do look at this defense and say they work well as a unit, but as individuals, would you take any of those four centre-backs they've got ahead of Rafael Varane or Ruben Diaz or, or, or even John Stones or anyone like that? It, so I, I think that was the one missing piece of the jigsaw for them but again similar to Man United they've done the business they've put themselves in the mix and if they stay fit and healthy and the players deliver they will be there at the end of the season and for me I think if anyone's going to take down Man City it, it will be them Yeah as James mentioned they're almost the perfect transfer window but still a very strong side James 
The final club I want to focus on is Manchester City. Well, when we're talking about England, £100 million spent for Jack Grealish. They didn't get Harry Kane. First of all, is he worth the £100 million? And when Phil Foden comes back into the side along with Kevin De Bruyne, will he still feature in as many games? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Manchester City are attempting to put out a team of 11 number 10s <laughs> at some point this season, judging by the way that they're going. I mean, to your first question, is he worth 100 million pounds? No. Uh, and I don't think there's anyone, Grealish himself included, that would tell you that he is. Uh, the bottom line was 100 million pounds was his was his release clause. And and even Aston Villa themselves admitted that they put that number because they thought no one would pay it. Um, his real market price was probably 70, 75, maybe 80 million at a pinch. Um, but they decided with De Bruyne out injured and Foden out injured approaching the, the start of the season that they weren't going to mess around and they were just going to hit that release clause. Um, and, and it resulted in a very quick transfer. But um, he's definitely not not worth that much money. And, and when and when the players come back, you, you do have to look at it. Bernardo, Bernardo Silva apparently wasn't happy, but he hasn't left. Raheem Sterling apparently isn't happy, but hasn't left. Um, you've still got Riyad Mahrez around there. You've got Torres, who at the moment is playing through the middle. Jesus on the bench. And then, as you said, the Bruyne, Foden coming back alongside Grealish. There's so many options there. And that's before you even talk about, you know, your Gundogans, <laughs> who are the players that are almost guaranteed to start. So someone will leave in, in January, most likely Bernardo Silva. They'll, they'll at some point, they'll look to cash in. But another case where the big need they really had, which, you know, is really staring everyone in the face, is that they need a centre forward. They need an absolute goal scorer. And, and it sounds funny to say it when they've just scored 10 goals in their last two games, but it was only Norwich and it was only Arsenal, <laughs> if I can say that. Um, and there are bigger challenges ahead. And the ability to change things up, change formations, and and take the chances that those midfielders all create is something they're lacking. They also possibly need sooner or later to work out what the long-term plan is to replace Fernandinho, who is still ticking along in that midfield but, but can't go on forever. But I still think they will be out there looking around in January for a potential striker option. And realistically, they are the ones who are possibly looking at Haaland next summer, Lewandowski even maybe on the market next summer, um, and they may come back for Harry Kane. I, I don't think the Manchester City striker saga is, is finished. Yeah, their squad depth is scary, to say the least. Elsewhere, James, I guess the real winners of the transfer window were Paris Saint-Germain. Lionel Messi making all the headlines, but they also managed to sign Sergio Ramos, Jorginho Wijnaldum, Ashraf Hakimi, Gianluigi Donnarumma, also Nuno Mendes from uh, Sporting Lisbon. And in all that, they spent less than, what, £70 million in total. First of all, let's look at Lionel Messi. No one would have expected him to leave Barcelona first up. But the fact that they've managed to rope in the majority of these transfers on a free, does it surprise you or was it always possible? I've seen a couple of interesting articles in the last couple of days that have put a great big asterisk next to the word free <laughs> on these transfers because the salaries they're paying, the wages they're paying are, are definitely exorbitant. But I mean, what a window. I mean, there are certain players that when it comes to transfer windows are just not on the table. And Lionel Messi is one of those players. But arguably also over the years, Ramos, potentially people like Donnarumma, Ronaldo, who we've talked about earlier. These are players you just don't expect to be on, on the table at the end of the day. And, and they have had a phenomenal window. The question now really is, all the pressure is on Pochettino. And this is a manager who still has struggled a little bit to get teams over the line at the critical moments. It's very clear that the owners want that Champions League. 
And if you can't win a Champions League with Messi and Neymar and still with Mbappe at this point in time, as much as he wants to get out, and all those other players in the squad, if you can't win a Champions League with that squad, I don't know what you do at, at that point. And uh, Pochettino, if he's uh, knocked out before the final, will probably be out of Paris before the final as well. Yeah, he certainly will be. But you mentioned that Kylian Mbappe stayed. I guess besides Lionel Messi coming in, that was a major win for them, keeping hold of their, um, you know, striker. He's a sensation. He will probably go to Real Madrid on a free um, in the next transfer window. But James, just before I let you go, let's talk about the best of the rest. Which club uh, stood out to you in terms of their transfer dealings? Before we go to that, I've just got to say this. The, the big question is, are Paris Saint-Germain the winners in that Mbappe situation or not? He's got one year left on his contract. He can sign a, a pre-contract in January for a free transfer next summer. Mm. He will join Real Madrid for free next summer. Were they better off taking 150, 160, 170 million euros right now for, for that player? And, and I think it, it just shows that, that Paris Saint-Germain not playing to the same financial fair play rules because if they were... 170 million euro for a player who's out of contract next summer, mm. who doesn't want to join, who said he's not signing a new contract. When you've bought in the players you've bought in would be an absolute no, no-brainer. So Paris Saint-Germain still have some work to do. Besides those teams we've talked about, other teams that have kind of come in as a late winner in the window, possibly Real Madrid, um, after their begging around the European Super League where Perez said that Real Madrid were in such financial trouble and suddenly they're out there offering all this money for Mbappe and, and signing uh, Eduardo Camavinga. Um, and I think you know they've won in part also because Barcelona are in such disarray. Mm. Um, Barcelona are clearly big losers. You've gone from a situation of two years ago signing the Griezmann to play alongside Messi and Suarez to now where your front line is an injured Sergio Aguero, Martin Braithwaite and Luke de Jong. Um, <laughs> and you really question what that team is, is going to do in, in Spain, never mind in, in Europe. I think Inter Milan will be happy that they managed to hold on to nearly all their players in spite of their financial trouble with the exception of Lukaku and that uh, the players that they've brought in to replace Lukaku have have started scoring pretty quickly. But I think, yeah, Paris Saint-Germain, probably the real winners of the window. Atletico Madrid for getting for getting De Griezmann back in on top of a team that just won the championship. And from an England point of view, Man United and, and Chelsea. And of course, Bayern Munich every year. They look at who came second and they go and steal their best players. And they've done it again this year. They've taken the centre-back, the centre-midfielder and the coach from RB Leipzig. And so they've probably turned the German championship into a procession again this year. Yeah, it's just incredible how uh, Julian Nagelsmann, Marcel Sabitzer and Diet Upmakano will now all be playing for Bayern Munich. We've been in conversation with James Walton, Sports Business Group leader, Deloitte Southeast Asia. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me on 12 to 1 and I look forward to catching up with you soon. Hey, thanks a lot. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.